0: Well, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, chapter 3, and this evening we shall be reading the whole chapter. Last week in chapter 2, we saw Solomon's kingdom being established, and really from chapter 3 on through to um, chapter 11, we see what that um, established kingdom looks like. So, 1 Kings, chapter 3, let us hear God's word. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "'Ask what I shall give you.' And Solomon said, "'You have shown great and steadfast love.' your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem And stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth and we were alone alone. There was no one else with us in the house, only we too were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had borne. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart yearned for her son, O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Please have your Bibles open at... uh 1 Kings chapter 3. Now I have uh, no doubt that uh, you want those who lead you to be wise and discerning leaders, whether it's political leaders or business leaders or school leaders or college leaders or church leaders. You, You want those who lead you to be wise and, and discerning, and, and you want that, don't you, because you know that to be led by wise uh, leaders is, is for your good, it's for your blessing. And you also know, perhaps some of you from painful experience, just how awful it can be to be led by foolish and inept leaders. I think it's fair to say that the people of God in the Old Testament never experienced such blessing than when they were led by King Solomon. And the reason for that is because Solomon was such a wise man. There was no one wiser than Solomon, at least in the Old Testament. He was Israel's most wise king. He's become proverbial for for wisdom, hasn't he? And under his rule, under his most wise rule, the people of God experience great blessing. Under his reign, the kingdom of of Israel reached something of a of a high point which it uh, never attained to again. And as we uh, look at our chapter this evening, which really focuses on wisdom and the wisdom of, of Solomon, I, I want us to look at it under three headings. First of all, uh, we see um, Solomon's prayer for wisdom, that's in verses 3 to 9. And then secondly, we see God's gift of wisdom, that's in verses 10 to 15. And then uh, thirdly, we see Solomon's judgment of wisdom, his wise judgment in verses 16 uh, to 28, So we see a prayer for wisdom, we see the gift of wisdom, and we see uh, the judgment of wisdom. We see, first of all, then, what I've called uh, Solomon's prayer for wisdom. Now, uh, the chapter uh, opens, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, given that we've just read that the kingdom was established under Solomon, with Solomon making a marriage alliance with the king of Egypt. And we're also told in the opening couple of verses about the worship practices of Israel before the house of the Lord was built. Solomon's the, the king that's going to build the house of the Lord a little bit later on. And and whether these things, his marriage alliance with the king of Egypt and, and those worship practices at the high places, whether they should be viewed positively, or negatively or even somewhat neutrally is, is a matter of debate, which I've decided not to get into this evening. Nor am I really going to say anything at all about what we're told in verse three about Solomon's love for the Lord. Wonderful though it is that he did love the Lord, although his love wasn't perfect. He did sacrifice and make offerings at the high places, even once the temple was built. I'm not going to focus on those things. Instead, I want to spend just a bit of time now looking at what happened when Solomon went to this uh, place called Gibeon, not too far from Jerusalem, uh, to worship uh, the Lord. And it's worth saying that at that particular time, Gibeon was the place where the tabernacle was located. So he is engaging in in legitimate worship here. And it was while he was in Gibeon that we read in verse 5, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you. It's a, it's a gracious invitation that uh, the Lord makes here to Solomon, isn't it? Ask me what you want, and, and I'll, I'll give it uh, to you it 's a, it's a very gracious invitation it 's really an invitation of a father to his son. You might remember that that 's how how the Lord described his his covenant relationship that he entered into with his promised king in uh, 2 Samuel chapter seven, which is such a, a pivotal passage and, and, and in that passage where he establishes the the covenant of the kingdom, God says of his promised king, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And I, I can well imagine that, that those of you uh, who are fathers will sometimes say to your son or to your daughter, son, tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. you you'll say something like that. And you'll, you'll invite them to ask you, uh for for something because because you want to give them something. You love them and you want to do them good. And that's what the, the Lord that's what we see the Lord doing here for Solomon. Uh, he he had great love for his for his son, for his promised king Solomon, and he effectively says to him, Son, tell me tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you. And then we read Solomon's response in verses 6 to 9, to God's gracious invitation. And you'll notice that as he responds, Solomon actually begins not by asking for anything, he, he, he begins by praising God. He, he praises the Lord for showing great and steadfast love to uh, his servant David. He, he praises the Lord for, for making him, Solomon, king. In fulfillment of that promise to David. And he also praises the Lord for making the nation great, for making the people numerous in fulfillment of that great promise to Abraham. And so Solomon begins his response to the Lord. He begins his prayer by, by praising the Lord. It's always a good place to start in prayer. We start usually by praising the Lord before we get on to our requests, and that will, that's what we see Solomon doing here, praising God for his covenant grace, for his covenant faithfulness. And then he goes on actually, before he gets to making his request, he goes on to then making confession, confession in particular of, of his weakness. He says in verse seven that the Lord has made him king in place of David, although I am but a little child, I do not know to go out or come in. In in, in other words, I I don't have the ability in myself to govern this this people. I'm not sufficiently able uh, to do that. My my resources are are insufficient. I I need your help. And this then leads him, finally, to make his, his particular request. God has said, ask what I shall give you, and here in verse 9, we see what Solomon asks for. He says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this? Your great people. Now, here we see Solomon asking the Lord, for wisdom, and doing so in a spirit of humble dependence. It's worth noting just how often Solomon refers to himself as your servant. It's there in verses 7, 8, and 9. Here we see Solomon in, in humble, in a spirit of humble dependence upon the Lord, praying that, that God would give to him as he puts it, an understanding mind, or more literally, a hearing heart. That, that's the, the literal uh, translation of what Solomon asks here of the Lord. Lord, give to me a hearing heart. And this is an, an important request that, that Solomon Makes. It's important that he asks for a hearing heart. He says that he wants to be able to discern between uh, good and evil. He, he wants to, to govern the people justly. He wants to be a wise king. He wants to rule wisely. And Solomon wisely recognizes that in order to do those things, in order to rule justly and to govern well, that there's something that he needs to hear. There's something that he needs to, to listen to. There's something that needs to make an impact upon his life. There's something that needs to deeply affect his heart. And that something is, of course, the Word of God. That something is the, the truth of God. You see, Solomon knows that, that if he is to be a, a wise king, if he is to govern justly, then Then he needs to sit under the word of the king of heaven, the word that has absolute authority, that has absolute wisdom, the word that is absolute truth. And Solomon recognizes that he needs to have his, his heart, in other words, the, the whole of his person shaped and directed and controlled by that word. He needs to have the, the word of, of, of the king of, of heaven, the voice of God speaking in the scriptures, shaping his heart and directing his mind. And Solomon is, is quite right to see that this is, this is exactly what he needs. After all, it is God's word that, that tells us what is good and what is evil. It's God's word that discloses to us what is just and what is unjust. God is the determiner of those things, no one else. He is the standard of of truth and of righteousness and of justice. It is God's word in both its precepts and its general principles that imparts wisdom. And so Solomon prays. He prays very wisely. Lord, give me a hearing heart. Let me hear your word in the depths of my heart. Let it not just pass in one ear and out the other. Let it let it settle in my heart. Because only then will I become a wise and discerning king. Only then will I be able to rule this, your great people, wisely and justly. And don't we see... In Solomon's uh, desire for a hearing heart, the, the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember how, um, how Jesus is described in that servant song in Isaiah chapter 50, in that uh, chapter that describes the the servant of the Lord. There we read that the Lord has, has given... Uh, his servant, uh, his, his messianic king. He's given him a tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And he goes on to say, morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. every morning, The Lord Jesus listened to his Father. He listened to God's Word. Every morning, the Lord Jesus prayed for a a hearing heart, a heart to understand. And every morning, the Father opened his his ears to hear. And so Jesus, in his earthly life, grew in wisdom. And that is why Jesus was, was able, later on, in his ministry to say that his judgment was, was just. It was right. Why? Because he only declared what he heard from his father. And friends, it is as you pray for a hearing heart that you will become wise through your union with Christ. You'll, you'll not become wise by listening to the cacophony of noise that comes uh, from the world in its various forms, whether it's whether it's the TV or, or social media or, or the radio or whatever, not that I'm saying it's wrong for you to, um, to to listen to the radio or to to be on social media or anything like that, but you're not going to become wise by opening your ears to those to those things. You'll you'll become wise as you as you sit under, as you, as you listen to the, the infallibly wise word of God. It's as your heart is shaped by the scriptures that you are made wise for salvation. So pray for a hearing heart. Pray that your heart may be thoroughly shaped and transformed, renewed by God's word. And, and believe that when you pray for a hearing heart, That because you are God's sons, because you are united to Christ, you will receive what you ask for. And this brings me to my second point this evening, the gift of wisdom, God's gift of wisdom. We're told in verse 10 that it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for a an understanding mind or a, or a hearing heart. Why? Well, because Solomon didn't ask for something that would basically only have benefited himself. He didn't ask for something that would have made his life easier or, or, um, or more comfortable or more secure. Something like long life or riches or the life of his enemies. He didn't ask for those things. Instead, he asked for something that would benefit the whole nation, something that would be good for the people, something that would bring glory to the Lord. Solomon's prayer for a hearing heart, his prayer for wisdom showed that he wasn't motivated by self-interest or self-glory. He was, he was motivated much more by by service. His heart was set not not so much on his own good, but on the good of, of God's kingdom, on the good of God's people. He was he was a king, we might say, who who sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And therefore God says to him in verse twelve, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise. I know it's it's a very obvious and a very simple point to make, but I think it's just worth making it. It's worth emphasizing it. God God is the one who gives Solomon wisdom. It comes from God. Solomon's wisdom didn't come from, from the world. Though, as we'll see later on, Solomon studied the world. He studied nature. But his wisdom didn't it didn't come from the world. It didn't come from the gods of the nations, empty idols. It didn't come from within, from within himself. He didn't look within to find wisdom somewhere hiding in his heart. No, his, his wisdom came from, from God. It was God's gift to him. And in his goodness, in his grace, God, who is, of course, the all-wise God, said, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. And because God is so gracious, he didn't stop there. He went on to say, I give you also what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked then I will lengthen your days do you see how how lavish god is in his grace he was he was pleased to give solomon not not only wisdom to govern the people but also riches also honor he was pleased to promise him long life if he obeyed his commands it, it it's as though god says to solomon here because i see that you are a king who seeks first My kingdom and my righteousness, I'll add all these other things unto you as well. Because God is a father who is lavish in his grace. He he gave to his son what he asked for and more than he asked for. And again, don't we see the lavishness? Of God's grace come to its fullest expression in his relationship with his own special, unique son. Isn't it in respect of the Lord Jesus that the Father's giving reaches, we might say, its its full measure? As I was preparing this past week, thinking about the Lord here saying to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. My mind turned to what the Lord says to his, um, his messianic son, his, his chosen promised king in Psalm 2. What does he say to his son? What does he say to his chosen king in Psalm 2? He says, ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage. I'll give to you the ends of the earth as, as your possession. I'll I'll give you everything. You'll rule over everything. I'll give it all to you. Here we see God giving Solomon wisdom, discernment, a hearing heart, so that he might govern one nation. But God has given to Jesus Christ Wisdom to govern everything. Wisdom to govern all the nations. And with Jesus as your king, brothers and sisters, God is pleased to give to you what you ask for. Remember what Jesus says so simply and yet so powerfully in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given to you. What do you lack? Do you lack wisdom? We all lack wisdom. We all lack wisdom to to know what to do when we meet with various trials, when our faith is tested. What should we do? What does James say we should do? Ask. Ask God. Ask him in faith and he will give he will give because he delights to give, simple but powerful God is pleased to give wisdom to those who are in his most wise son and when we ask for wisdom it's as if he dispenses it through his son and by his spirit down to the body of Christ. He is a God who loves to give good things, like wisdom, to his children. And so we see in our passage this evening, Solomon's prayer for wisdom. We see also God's gift of wisdom. And then thirdly, and finally, we see what I've called the judgment of wisdom. And this is what we see in the... Um, episode that's that's recorded for us in verses 16 to 28. And and this episode shows us that God did indeed give Solomon a wise and discerning mind in order to rule justly. We're told about uh, two prostitutes coming before him. Two prostitutes, the, the lowest of the low, despised members of society coming to the king the the highest ranking member of society just as i suppose uh, the prostitutes were drawn to the lord jesus and were welcomed by him and loved by him these two prostitutes come to jesus and one uh, come to solomon and one accuses the other of of accidentally killing her own child and then swapping her dead child with the first woman's Living child, and, and of course, the second woman denies that this this ever happened, but the the first woman insists that it is as as she has has said, and so we, we have this terribly uh, tragic story and this this dilemma that, that faces King Solomon. The question that he needs to answer is, well, who is telling the truth? She says one thing, she says the other it 's her word against this other woman's word who's telling the truth who is the mother of of the living child how how am i going to ensure that justice is done in other words how am i going to judge justly it's it's a it's a difficult position that he's that he's in as he acknowledges in verse 23 but he ensures that justice is done he ensures that he judges justly by by ordering that a, that the child be be cut in half it's it's as if he he says to these two women well you want justice to be done I'll, I'll tell you what let me give you justice you can both experience the same measure of pain there's your justice and of course it's at this point that the the true mother says don't do that whatever you do do not do it. give give the child to that other woman Whatever you do, do not kill this child. Whilst the other woman, shockingly, says, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. It's as if this second woman was, was so gripped by, by bitter jealousy that, that she was willing for this child to be killed. If I can't have a child, then neither can she. And it's... At this point that Solomon now knows the truth of the matter. It's at this point that Solomon now discerns between good and evil. And he pronounces his judgment, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. He he rightly judges that the first woman is the mother. Because, of course, no true mother would ever want her child to be cut in half, even if that meant giving the child up to, to someone else, whereas the second woman so gripped, as I say, by bitter jealousy is willing for that to happen. And this episode highlights for us, it's put here for us in order to show that Solomon has been given wisdom to judge. Here we see Solomon discerning that the first woman was was good, the first woman was, was innocent, She was telling the truth, and he discerns that the second woman was evil. She was guilty. She was telling lies, and he judges accordingly, rewarding the good and punishing the evil. And again, in this, doesn't Solomon point us to Christ himself? Because, you see, Jesus is the king who in the words of Isaiah chapter 11 has that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of understanding, that spirit of counsel. And by that spirit we're told that Jesus does not judge by what his eyes see, which is to say that he's not fooled by appearances as we so often are. Nor does Jesus decide disputes by what his ears hear. Which means that he's not hoodwinked by clever words, as we so often are. No, Jesus sees right into our hearts. They're laid bare before him. He, he discerns our every thought, our every intention, our every desire, our every motivation. He, he, his eyes penetrate into our innermost being. And he... Judges accordingly. He judges according to truth. Which means this. That if you are trusting in Jesus alone as your Savior, if you have submitted to Jesus as your King, then Jesus sees that. He knows that. And on that final day of judgment, he will pronounce this verdict upon you, good, right, accepted. But it also means that if you're not trusting in Jesus alone as your Savior, if you've not submitted to him as your King, then he he sees that too. Whatever you might say, to the contrary, Lord, do not do these wonderful things in your name, prophesy. Whatever you might say to the contrary, whatever you might look like, Jesus will not be fooled. He sees right into the depths of our hearts. And if you're not trusting him, then on that final day, he will pronounce this verdict upon you, evil evil, wrong, not accepted. That's the awesome reality of the Lord Jesus reigning as king. Israel, we're told at the end of the chapter, stood in awe of King Solomon when they they saw the righteous judgment that that he rendered. They they said, here is a king who does justice. No one's going to get away with evil. The good will be rewarded. Wonderful. Terrifying in a sense. Wonderful. How much How much more should we, how much more will we stand in awe of King Jesus when on that final day we see him rendering judgment not just on two women or even on a nation but on, on the whole world. Everyone standing before him. And he giving his verdict. Which leads me to ask you in closing. This simple question. Have you submitted yourself, the whole of yourself to, to Christ? Have you made him your king? Are you, are you trusting in him and in him alone? I, I said at the start that it's a great blessing. To, to have wise leaders. And it is, isn't it? It's a great blessing to have wise leaders. And Israel was, was so greatly blessed to, to live under the wise leadership of, of King Solomon. But, but there is no greater blessing, no greater good than to, to live under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Because he is not just a wise king. He is the most wise king. Far greater, far wiser, even than wise King Solomon. And, and if Jesus is your King therefore, you are most blessed. You are more blessed than you could ever begin to imagine because you have a King you see who in his perfect wisdom governs every aspect of your life for your good. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that, but your wise King governs and rules over every aspect every detail of your life for your good and and he rules over you for your eternal joy for your eternal blessedness and in his in his perfect wisdom what has jesus done for you by his death he has he has justified you sanctified you redeemed you and he is the one who in his perfect wisdom makes you wise how do you grow in wisdom by growing into christ he is the one by his spirit through his word who makes you wise who makes you Discerning. And he is the one who in his perfect wisdom will one day bring perfect peace and perfect order and perfect justice to the whole world. Jesus Christ is the very wisdom of God. We're told that the wisdom of God was in Solomon to do justice. Jesus Christ is the very wisdom of God. And there is no greater blessing than to be led by Him, than to be loved by Him. Amen.